This week's parsha is Parshas Chukas Balak. And in Parshas Chukas, in Parak of Pasuk Chavzayin, the Torah says, Al-Kain Yaimru HaMoshlem. Therefore, the poets, the Moshlem, the people that are gifted in terms of making parables and making poems, they say, Bayu Cheshpan. Let's come to the city of Cheshpan. Tibone Bisikainen Irsichain. Let us establish and build up the major city, the metropolis owned by Sichain. There's a Gemara in Baba Basra that homiletically interprets this Pasuk as much different than the Pshuta Shalmikra, or at least seemingly different. The simple Pshat in this Pasuk is that what happened was that Sichain had a city called Cheshven. Klal Yisrael was not able to ever attack um, I mean, Sichain had a city called Cheshpan, which used to be owned by Mayav. Klal Yisrael were never able to attack Mayav because the Torah says, Al Tatsaras Mayav, you're not allowed to attack them. So once Sichain went and attacked Mayav and won and conquered that city of Cheshpan, so now Klal Yisrael was able to go and chop away the city of Cheshpan because it was. It was sort of kashered by Sichain. If it was Mayav's property, we would not be able to get it. But now that Sichain conquered Cheshvan, now HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Rishos for Klai Yisrael to conquer this city of Cheshvan because now it was no longer the Rishos of Mayav, it was the Rishos of Sichain. That's what, as Chazal say, Amon Mayav Tiaro B'Sichain. That the lands of Amon and Mayav, they were mature, they were, they were cleansed, they were purified, they were kashered through the conquering of Sichain. Sichain, Melech Mayri conquered uh, the lands of Mayav, and through that, Klai Yisrael were able to be Zaycha in these lands through Sichain. So the Gemara of Abbasra gives us another pshat in what this means homiletically, they darshan as follows. And this is a very famous drasha because all the Musr Svarim bring down this drasha. And I'll tell you why in a second. They say, Bayu al-kein yaymru means al-kein yaymru ha-meishlem Not the poets, not the people that gave parables, but the, those that are meishel belibam, those that have a command over their hearts, their Bnei Taira, their Bali Musar, their Bnei Aliyah, their people that really care about things, they take life seriously. Those people that are able to conquer their hearts, they say, What does it mean, Cheshpen doesn't just mean the city of Cheshpen. Cheshpen means, let's make a Cheshpen HaNefesh. Let's make the Cheshpen of HaKadosh Baruch Let's make a Cheshpen of the Eilam. Schar Mitzvah Kineged Hefseidah. How much is a Mitzvah versus not doing a Mitzvah? All of these things are the Cheshpenes that a person is expected to make if they are Meshlem Belibah. People that are Hefker, they never think about these things. People that are not Meshlem in their hearts, they have no conscience. What do they think about? They think about nothing. They think about doing more taivas and more averis and more and more gaiva and more bad midas. That's all people that are not meishabli but think about. But al kein those that are meishabli What do they say? Bayu cheshpan, bayu v'nachshav cheshpanishalaylam. Let's make a cheshpan. Let's make a cheshpan nefesh. Are we doing what's right? How's our life going? How's our Seder going? How's our, how's our summer going? How's our Shmir Sinayim doing? How's our, how are we doing? Are our mitzvahs what they could be? Are we do, could we maybe prune away some of the bad stuff from the mitzvahs that we are doing? Could we maybe uh, stop a lot of the Averis that we are um, so completely overtaken by? What can we do different? People of the conscience will think that way. If you're Moshe Belibai, then you will say, You will say, Come, let's make a Cheshpan HaNefesh. Let's.
I wanted to share with you this morning a special vart that I saw in a certain sefer. And the vart is as follows. I don't really know who the, uh, who the person who said this vart is. I know his name, but I don't know who it is. But I'm going to tell you the vart that he says. Like I said before, the Pasuk spoke previous to this Pasuk, about the way it is that Amon and Mayav were conquered by Sichai Melech and by doing so, he was able to kasher all the lands of Mayav. If not for the fact that Sichai had a victory, a military victory over Mayav, we would never be able to pick off the land of Cheshvan because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Al Tatsaras Mayav. Do not chaper Mayav. I don't want you to do anything wrong to Mayav. They, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a special schus for Mayav and you're not supposed to start. We're not allowed to do war against them. So how are we able to ever get Cheshvan? Cheshvan was like the, you know, the crown jewel of the Mayavite empire. How are we going to get that? Okay, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, well, Sichan is, is now attacking it. Sichain attacking Cheshbon will make it that now Klai Yisrael is able to conquer the land of the land of Cheshbon. So listen to this vart. He says like this: When a person like Sichain had this military conquest, he won Cheshbon. He like Mamish got like the most prized possession in real estate in the world. Cheshman was a spit city. And they were able to go in, take it over. What was going through Sichai Melech HaMari's mind? Imagine if you were Sichai at this point. Sichai HaMari was thinking, wow, like I am the king of the world. He was like the master of, he was playing real, a real game of risk. Risk is, you know, world dominance. You want to take over as many countries as you could. Here was Sichan Melech Amari. He went in, he, you know, his tanks rolled right in. He hopped the city of Cheshman. He thought, wow, I'm the king of the world. His gaiva was through the roof. He thought that this could not be better news for me. And on the other hand, Klal Yisrael were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this is terrible, right? Sichan is so powerful. What, what's going to be with us? How are we going to ever be able to conquer these lands, and they're, they're getting stronger and stronger. What happened in the end? In the end, Klai Yisrael were able to take over Sichan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, take over, take over from Sichan the land of Cheshvan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're going to fight Sichan, you're going to win Sichan. And so what happens is that what seemed very, very bad, what seemed very bad from a human perspective it seemed like it was a victory for Russia, and it was a terrible defeat for good people. Klal Yisrael were like, uh-oh, this is really bad, Sichon is on a roll. It turned out in retrospect, in hindsight, you were able to see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu had an exact Cheshpan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the land of Cheshpan over to Sichon so that Klal Yisrael would be able to conquer it. If if Cheshmer was just staying in the realm, in the domain of Mayav, it would be off-limits to Klai Yisrael. There would be an Isra for Klai Yisrael to go and take that land. But now that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the land over to Sichain, Sichain thought that was the best news for him. The world thought it was horrible news. It turns out, everything was the opposite. Sichain's conquest, all that Sichain made, all that Sichain won, all of the the, the victory that he felt, the pride that was filling his heart, all of that in retrospect was turned on its head. And Klai Yisrael was now able to take it over. It was the best news in the world in retrospect for Klai Yisrael, the fact that Sichen conquered the land because he captured it. He captured this whole land of Cheshpen so that now Klai Yisrael was able to have it where they would not have been able to have it were it not for that. So the Sefer wants to say, that's what it means. If you're a Meishel Belibai, if you really want to be a Ben Tyre, you want to be a Ben Aliyah, you want to be a Bal Musr, you want to be able to see the way the world really works, look at the city of Cheshven, and through doing so, it's not just a random drasha that's unrelated to the, the Pasuk. 
the Pasuk itself teaches us the greatest Musr. The city of Cheshben teaches every one of us to look at the Cheshben of Eilam, the Cheshben of Eilam. Who's the Eilam? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Eilam. If you want to understand how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, the Cheshben with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu dominates the world, orchestrates the world, operates the world. Look at the city of Cheshman. Cheshman, you don't need anything else. You don't need to know any world history other than this battle of Cheshman because through Cheshman, you're able to make a Cheshman Hanefesh yourself and see the Cheshman Ha'olam and understand how it's only because of something bad, seemingly bad that happened. Sichain went on an attack against Mayav, chopped ice from Mayav Cheshman, and guess what happened? Now Cheshben was able to be picked off and to, put in, to be put into Klai Yisrael's column. Were it not for that seemingly terrible incident of Cheshben, we never would have gotten it. It's only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu enabled Sichain, he moved the pieces on the chessboards that Sichain should now be able to take over Cheshben, and now it's not run by Mayav, so now there's no Isser of Al-Tatsaras Mayav, now Klai Yisrael was able to get it. What we see from this, Rabbi Yisai, is a very important Yisai, and first we'll speak about the worldwide implications of this Yisai, and then we'll speak about the personal implications of this Yisai. The worldwide implications of this Yisai is that HaKadosh Baruch runs the world, which we know. But the way he runs the world is a very interesting thing. When you open up a newspaper, when you, uh, you know, look at news on your phone or wherever you get your information from, and you see that there is a, an event that takes place in the world, whatever it might be, you think in, in the present, because we're not Nevi'im, so you basically see it as this. So if, let's say Russia goes one day and he, they hop Crimea. Russia wanted this little part of, uh, you know, Crimea. I think it was owned, if I'm not mistaken, by Greece. Or, by, I'm sorry, I think by the Ukrainians. And one day Putin just decides to, like, roll his tanks in. No one's going to start up with Russia. And they, he hops this, this little area called Crimea. And the whole world went up in arms. It's still in Russian territory. Now, we don't understand why God allowed that to happen. We don't understand what the cheshman for this was. But there is a cheshman. There is a cheshman, and the cheshman is somehow going to be good for Yidin. Whatever happens in the world is for, ha- for HaKadosh Baruch Hu taking care of Klal Yisrael. So why this is happening, we don't know. But you can rest assured that every single thing that happens in the world is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's orchestration for Klal Yisrael. It might be that this might help Eretz Yisrael someday. It might be that there might, uh, there's a Yid that has a Russian passport that's found in Crimea, and because he has a Russian passport instead of a Ukrainian passport, his life will be spared. It, whatever it is, we don't know. But every single thing that happens in the world happens with a Cheshman. You know, today is uh, the 3rd of July. So it's two important things happen on the 3rd of July. First of all, it's the day before the United States is officially a country. It also is my birthday. July 3rd is my birthday. Okay, but that's a different cheshman. No, 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 thank you, thank you. Um, but today is a national holiday, so I want to just say a quick vart that Rav Schwab used to say, and I think it really ties in beautifully to what we're saying, that he said that in 1492, in, this, in the year 1492, which was a terrible, terrible... Uh, year for Klai Yisrael is a terrible year for Jewish history because it was the year that the Spanish Jews were expelled from Spain. You had a choice. You can either become Christian, you could be burned at the stake, or you can get out. And the king and queen of Spain, um, Ferdinand and Isabel, and Isabel, they basically were rabid anti-Semites. They wanted all the Jews out, except for one Jew, the Abarbanel. Barbanel was their finance minister. They needed the court Jew to, you know, to keep the economy roaring. So they offered him to stay. And he said, no, if my people are leaving, I'm leaving also. So it was not a good move for them because then he went to Portugal. He built up their economy. Um, anyway, but 
1492 was a terrible year. What happened to the Yidden in 1492? They were expelled. Some Yidden had to go, travel to, to, to Russia. Some Yidden had to travel to Europe. They had to relocate all over the world. That was the golden age of Spanish Jewry until you had the Rambam living in Spain, you had the Abarbanel, you had the Avanezer, you had so many Rishonim, all the great Rishonim, and, you know, were living in Spain during the golden era, and there you know, hundreds of others. And all of a sudden, they were all kicked out. Terrible, terrible event that happened there in 1492. Another thing happened in the year 1492, interestingly, that was the year that Columbus set sail to discover the New World, to discover America. Who sent him there? The same Rishayim that kicked us Jews out of Spain, Ferdinand and Isabel, they said that they, they wanted him to go and travel, and he, he was supposed to go one place, he ended up in the wrong place, but he ended up discovering the country that we're living in right now. Now, this country that we're living in right now is not just Stam a country. This is a country, and that's why I feel that it's Mamish like a Yantiv today, because America is a great country. America is a great country for Klal Yisrael. Because when we needed to escape, whether it was in the 19th century, in the 20th century, from wherever countries we were in, whether it was Russia, Poland, Ukraine, um, and then during World War II, from Germany, from, you know, from, from Western Europe countries, Eastern European countries, where did we go? We, we came to America, primarily. Okay, America, I know that they didn't take a lot of us, and they're, you know, they, the St. Louis was turned back, but, but the fact that we're here today shows that we were basically saved in no small part because there is a country called the United States of America. And America has been a tremendous country for us in this Gullis. Tagalos, we're living in calls, we have to remember that, but, but America has shown, it was, it's basically, it was, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful country, it grants us all the privileges that we would never be able to dream about in other countries. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, everything that we want, we have here. Baruch Hashem, And so it's a tremendous, you have to have our cars, you have to say Maidan with extra Kavana today. In any event, Says Rav Schwab, look at how HaKadosh Baruch Hu ran the world. Let's examine from God's perspective, from a Kisei Kavadika vantage point, you see things a lot different. 1492 is a horrible year for Klai Yisrael, and it was, there's no two ways about it. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created that Makkah, he was already, at the same time, beginning a refuah for the Makkah. Because all the descendants, or many of the descendants of the, of the Gerushe Svara, the, 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 the people that were expelled from Spain, and wherever they went, whether it was Russia, whether it was Europe, wherever they went, HaKadosh Baruch was already preparing an Aremiklat for them, a couple of hundred years later, of course, but called America. And America would be the 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 Ari Mikla that Klai Yisrael would enjoy taking shelter in when all other countries were were on fire. This is all what happened with Cheshbon. The city of Cheshbon looked like it was uh, conquered by a by a Russia. Terrible, terrible time. A dark period when Sichan was on the attack took over Cheshbon, but Hakadosh Baruch Hu wasn't scared of Sichan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu permitted Sichain to do that. And at the same time, he was preparing for Klai Yisrael to have their ultimate victory, to snatch Cheshben away from Sichain. So what seemed terrible was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's planning for Klai Yisrael. It was all for Klai Yisrael's good, ultimately. And we could find many, many examples of this throughout history. I guess the one that comes to mind... Um, the most to me is, is the Shivas Mir, when Mir in Poland was, uh, you know, was during the war, every other yeshiva was decimated, Rachman Litzlan, uh, Tells and Panovich and, uh, and, and Brisk, these cities, these Tyridika cities were all wiped out, Mamash liquidated, and, uh, and, and, and many, many others that I'm not mentioning. The Mir Yeshiva, miraculously, was the only yeshiva 
to survive intact. Now, how did that happen? It happened because of a string of miracles that nobody would have understood except for the Rabbanishon. A few of the miracles was that there was a uh, um, there was a, a Japanese consulate who had a uh, a person working for him by the name working for them by the name of Sugihara. Sugihara it turns out had a had a, a warm spot in his heart for for Yidden, or he felt bad for them, whatever his cheshvan was, and he was meiser nefesh to stamp hundreds of passports, hundreds of visas to enable all the people in the mirror to go to uh, to go on a, on a, to get out of out of the country that they were in, out of Poland, out of Russia, and to basically travel to to Japan. And then from Japan, they went to a city in, in China called Shanghai. How did they get there? How were they able to travel? They First of all, there was a railroad called the Trans-Siberian Railroad. It was a railroad that cost billions of dollars. The Russian government, no one understood why they did this. It was a weird fluke of history that they would even build this railroad. It, it ran into the middle of nowhere. It basically connected one side of Russia with the other, and Russia, if you ever see a map, is huge. It's ginormous. It's, it's, like, it's, it's half a map. It's basically half the world is Russia. The only problem is half of Russia you can't live in. It's all Siberia. It's frozen most of the year. There's a train track that they built from one end to the other. It cost billions of dollars. It cost them hundreds, maybe thousands of lives. Um, they worked on it for years and years and years. Nobody understood why the Tsar was building this thing for what, for whom, like, well, who needs this? And he wanted to connect his malucha. He wanted to make that Russia should be, but he built it very schlocky. He used very cheap material, and I think there was only originally one track, so a train could only go in one direction, and then, and then it went back. It was like a very ill-conceived thing. No one understood why they built that until the Mir Yeshiva needed to get out of Mir and out of and out of Eastern Europe, and it, they got tickets on this train. It was very expensive. They traveled first class for some very interesting story. How they were, they needed the money wired because they only wanted cash. The people that were taking the that were giving out these tickets on the train. Nisim in a flies that they were able, imagine if I told you there's a train of Yeshiva Bachrim that need to, you know, to go from one place to another and you have to raise, you know, $10 million and you have to do it by today at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What would you do? That's exactly what happened. You know, we could go out, you know, give them a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. They raised millions of dollars, not, not in today's prices, but in, in those days, in 1930 prices, a million dollars are like, I don't know, $20 million. Try to raise $20 million in a few hours. And they did that. They wired the money to a bank near the train station. They were able to pay for the, to get everybody on this train. They were on this train for days and weeks and they finally got off and they, they took a boat from the, the last place in Russia to, the, uh, to Japan, which isn't so far away. And then they stayed there a little bit. Then they went from there to Shanghai. In Shanghai which is really where they spent most of the war. There was a building um, that was a shul, but nobody really dabbed in that shul. It was a beautiful, large shul that was built by a, a, a not Shemr Shabbos Yid, but his father appeared to him a dream that he wanted him to build him a shul. This, this, this very wealthy tycoon himself was married to a Chinese woman. He wasn't, you know, he was not Shemr Tarmasus at all, but he built a shul in honor of his, of his father, his mother, and he basically... Um, built the Spitz Shul in the heart of the most expensive real estate in in Shanghai. It was like imagine like on on the corner of Fifth Hour Fifth Avenue and Fifty Seventh Street in Manhattan. There was a street called Museum Road. He built this Spitz Shul. No one lives there, so it was an empty shul. It had like uh, it had chairs and it was uh, not basically not functioning at least not during the week. Maybe on Shabbos they put together a minion or something. Exactly the number of seats in that shul were the number of seats that the Mir Yeshiva needed to establish their yeshiva in Shanghai. Exactly, to the, to the, to the seat. And they had carpenters come and build special shtenders for them, like they were used to in the in yeshiva. And there's a famous picture of the whole Mir Yeshiva in Shanghai sitting by their shtenders, including Reb Chaim Shulevitz, Reb Chatzka Levenstein, and, and all the G'dayim that came out of Shanghai, Reb Shmuel Birnbaum as a Bachar, and many others, of Leib Baxt, and many, many others. 
these were Nisim and Eflois. Reb Levenstein used to say that every Bacher has to keep a diary in the mirror and write down all the Nisim because you're not going to believe it later on. People aren't going to believe it. The Nisim were like open miracles. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was literally orchestrating all of this. Cheshpen, bayu cheshpen, bayu v'nachshiv cheshpen eshalolam. You want to figure out the way the world works, look at the city of Cheshpen. It seemed terrible. It seemed when they built the Russian train tracks, maybe that looked like a big nitzachan for the, for the, for the Malchus Hazadim, which was Russia, and maybe this, and then nobody understood it. It was for Klai Yisrael. Sugihara for Klai Yisrael. That, that shul that was built for Klai Yisrael, for, for Tyra. Everything in the world operates like the city of Cheshvan, just like Cheshvan. We didn't understand it. Sichan took it over. It seemed like bad news. Oh, Baruch Hashem, in the end, it, it ended up meriting Klai Yisrael. That's how the world works. That's how the world operates. Everything that happens in the world is for the ultimate good of Klai Yisrael. And so when you read a newspaper... And you see events and you think this is totally unrelated to Klai Yisrael. Unrelated. You know, if there is COVID or there's uh, riots or there's, uh, I don't know, something happening in, in the Middle East or in China or in, in, in Russia or everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu operating the world somehow, some way. And if you would, if, if you would ha- if you'd be a historian, you'd have time to like really um, look back in history and you would probably be able to put together a very interesting thesis about exactly how many, many, if not all things that we know about in history can really be understood as for Klai Yisrael. The great Remendel Kaplan, who was a Rebbe, who was a brilliant Adam Gadol, Gadol Batayra, he was a Rebbe in Skokie before he went to Philly. Um, so when he was in Skokie, he just came off the boat from Lithuania he was like Chavrusa the Rochan Vasserman. He was that brilliant. And he became a, a Rosh Hashiva and Skolki Shiva. And he used to come into Shear in the morning with a Chicago Tribune newspaper or the Chicago Times, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he says, you're going to teach me English because he only spoke Yiddish. He wanted to learn English to be able to relate to the American boy. He says, you're going to teach me how to read this newspaper. And in, in turn, I'm going to teach you how to read a newspaper. You'll teach me the English and I'll teach you how to really understand, how to learn it up like a Rishan. Because you have to understand that everything that happens in the world is really for Klal Yisrael. And you just read it as like an interesting story. This happened and that happened. This person was shot. This person died. This person, you know, uh, became prime minister. This person became, uh, was, uh, you know, Brexit and this. Every, every event, oh, it's not Negei what How's it Negei Me? It might not be Negei you personally, but it's Negea, Klai Yisrael, Negea, Eretz Yisrael, Negea, Tyra. Everything that happens in the world, if you have the right Ashkafas, you'll know why it's good for Klai Yisrael, why it's bad for Klai Yisrael, and how ultimately it might turn out for the best. And if you have the, uh, the ability to have hindsight and live long enough to see how things develop and how things ripple out, you'll be able to see clearly how every event really was for Klai Yisrael. The people that are Meisha Belibam, if you want to get a good grip on your heart and understand that there's nothing to worry about because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the show, come to the city of Cheshven. And by doing so, you'll be able to see a Cheshven Shalom. You'll be able to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu plays chess with the world and all for Klai Yisrael's victory. Now, this is true nationally, like I said. This is true globally. But I always like to bring things a little bit closer to home so we can have a personal takeaway besides for that Shkafa takeaway that everything that happens is for Klai Yisrael, that you probably know already. But, and this you also know, but it's very important to Chazer. Because if you don't speak about this constantly, even though it's, 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 it's from the Ikri Adas, it's so Pashat, but if you don't speak about it constantly, you forget and you get nervous in life. The way that we described HaKadosh Baruch Hu orchestrating Cheshben 
the way that we describe the Kaddish Baruch Hu orchestrating, and that was Rav Schwab's art about the United States of America with the Spanish Inquisition, the Spanish expulsion, the way that we describe what happened in the Mir Yeshiva, how everything, what seemed bad, was really all good, this is what happens in our daily life, all of our daily lives. A lot of times in our life, things are not good. And things seem downright bad. And we complain. Boy, this is a really bad day. I missed my plane. I missed my thing. My car had a flat tire. I had to, you know, I had to do this. I have to do that. And we get very, very depressed. We get very nervous. And we lose Amuna. We lose Amuna because... We feel that, you know, other people have it great and we don't. And look, God hates me because he did this to me and he did that to me. If you want to really have a true perspective on what's going on and you want to control your heart from having these anxieties, from having these fears, again, enter the beautiful city of Cheshman. Because by doing so, you'll be able to get a glimpse into the Cheshbonah Shel Eilam, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses to run His world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not make everything easy for us. He does that for, his, for many different reasons. But what we have to know is that whatever happens in our life that's seemingly bad is ultimately for the good. And it's a win-win, and let me explain why. Because if it's for the bad, and there is no happy ending, sometimes you know, sometimes you can't like, sometimes you can't really argue with the fact that something is bad. Like I'm not, you know, it's very hard to say if a person's, you know, if a person is in a terrible car accident, or if a person loses all his money, or if a person, you know, it's very hard to say, oh, that, that's okay, Gamzula Taiba. Yeah, it's easy for, you, for me to preach to other people, Gamzula When you're living through that, it's very hard. So there's two ways of understanding it. Either HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing this because He loves you. He's giving you hardships because it's a patch, it's a teichacha, but that's a sign that He loves you, and He's either giving you a kapara for it, or He's going to, uh, he's gonna make it ultimately good, like the Pasuk says, whoever HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves, that's who he gives Musr to. That's one way of looking at it. That's where things don't seem to have any happy ending, any silver lining. But a lot of things do have silver linings. Maybe most things have silver linings. You just need to be patient with Hashem. You have to understand that right now it seems very hard. It seems almost impossible but HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a Chesh Ben Shel Eilam. He has, he has the whole perspective. He's not looking at it one-dimensionally, two-dimensionally. He has the whole panorama in front of him. He's the Kol Yachel, he's the Ein Saif, and he understands how everything he's doing for us is for the good. I used to have a, my mother had a cousin who operated a hotel um, in the Catskill Mountains. He owned a hotel in the Catskill Mountains. And he, um, it was a very successful, you know, small hotel. I had my bar mitzvah there, uh, Parshas Bullock, uh many years ago. I'm not going to say how many. Uh, but I had my bar mitzvah there. And um, it was a very, very well you know, people trusted the Kashras. I don't even think he had a, a formal Heksher. They just trusted him. His name was Teddy Katz. And he had a safe in his office in the hotel where he kept all of the, all the cash, you know, all the stuff coming in and uh, maybe people's jewelry, whatever. He kept all the stuff in the safe. One day, there was a worker in the hotel who put a gun to his head, to my cousin's head. And he said... Listen, Mr. Katz, if you don't open up the safe, I'm going to have to blow your head off. Now, left with no alternative, 
my cousin opened up the safe. The guy took all the money and just to make sure that he wouldn't say anything, my cousin, he shot him in the stomach. True story. Tragic story. But that's not the end of the story. He was left for dead. He was lying on the floor of the office, bleeding. And Hatzala came. They took him to the local hospital. This is a mice of maybe 35, 40 years ago. Uh, no, 35 years ago, let's say. Hatzala rushed him to the They stopped the bleeding. They took a, like x-rays or whatever. I don't think they had MRIs back then, but they took whatever the equivalent of an MRI, an x-ray was. And to see if there was any other shrapnel, bullets. And when they opened up his stomach, or when they, they looked at his stomach, they saw that he had a huge tumor that was growing in his intestines. Meaning that he never knew about that. If he had not been shot in the stomach, now that's not a pleasant thing to happen to a person. Achman al-Latzan, no one should be shot in the stomach. He survived that bullet wound, and he was able to have emergency surgery to remove that tumor, that lethal malignant tumor, and he was able to live many years afterwards because he was because they operated just in the nick of time. Al You wanna have a muna when you hear things that seem tragic, and they are tragic. But make a cheshpan. Go into the city of cheshpan and see what happened there. A bad thing turned into the best thing. And that's how life works. We used to have a Talmud in Lander. A very nice boy. He was there maybe 10, 12 years ago. Um, you know, very geschmacker guy. Very, you know, big... Uh, anyway, he was a... And he, I was schmoozing him when he came to Yeshiva. He was telling me his life story. He says, Rabbi, I want, I want you to know something that happened to me. He says, the worst day of my life was the best day of my life. I said, what do you mean? He said like this. When he was in high school, he, was a, he went to a high school in Long Island. He was, a, uh, like, he was like a great athlete. He was on the basketball varsity team, on the hockey varsity. It was uh, every team that he threw out high school. He was a superstar. Mamash, he's the, the captain of every team. He had a great arm, great shot, great everything. And he wasn't feeling well. And so he went to the doctor. And the doctor, the doctor took MRIs, CAT scans or whatever, and they found that there was a, a lot of cancer, Rahman growing in his right arm. Now, this would be tragic for anyone, but it was a little bit more of a, of a, of a, of a, of a pinch because he was such a great athlete. Like, this was his whole, his whole life was sports and athletics, and, you know, and, and to lose his right arm was like the worst thing for him. And for anyone, obviously, but it was just especially tragic for him if you can say that. And they prepared for amputation. They had to amputate the arm before it spread. So they made a, a date, let's say a couple of weeks later, that that would be the day that his arm would be amputated. It's like a, a nightmare scenario for, for anyone that stops to think about it, anyone with a heart. And that was the worst day of his life. He was, went into, into the hospital knowing that he would come out of the hospital without an arm. It's a guy in yeshiva. Before they did the surgery, they said, you know, before we do this, it doesn't make sense to do the surgery. We have to first take one more CAT scan and see... You know, if it's spread yet, because, you know, see what happens. So they, they did another CAT scan, and it spread further than his arm. His whole body was now full of cancer. So it didn't pay to amputate the arm, because you'd have to amputate your whole body to, to solve this one. It, there's no, there's no, there's no tailless in amputation at this point. So this was, if, if, it, if the day started really lousy for him... It was just getting even worse and darker and darker and gloomier for him, because now... 
you thought, okay, I'm going to miss an arm and I'm going to live. Now I don't even know if I'm going to live. I, I, I'm going to, I, have, I have cancer all over my body. So they put him, as a result of this, they put him on a very intensive track of, uh, of chemotherapy, radiation. And they gave him mamish, the highest dosages to stop this from spreading. And slowly but surely, b'chastei Hashem, he went into remission and the cancer went away. He was able, mamish, they were able to beat back the cancer, that there was no cancer anymore in his whole body. And today I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to report he's married, healthy, he has a beautiful mishpacha. He says, the worst day of my life turned out to be the biggest blessing of my life. It was terrible that I had to go for an amputation of my arm. It was even worse that I had that it spread, but that seemed to be the darkest moment in life. But look at how HaKadosh Baruch Hu was looking at it. He said, no, I don't want you to lose your arm. I'm going to spread the cancer to the body. That way you're not going to lose your arm. And then I'm going to give radiation and allow the radiation to, to be a refua for your maka. And so in retrospect, that terrible day was the greatest day of his life. This is the Cheshpan Yishayim. Don't look at everything today, because today it's depressing. But if you have a munan bitachin, and again, I, I know that you know I, I sound like I'm probably the world's biggest expert in this. I'm one of the worst in this. Okay, I'm really I'm I'm not so cool, calm, and collected. But I know that if I would have a munan bitachin properly, really, and I could tell you that if you would, then we would be the happiest people in the world. We would be the happiest people in the world. If you look around people in the world, you take a subway, or you look in shul, or you look in, uh, on the street, most people are not happy. They're, they're not, there's not a natural smile on their face. It's just not. People are nervous. They have to pay their bills, and they have to deal with their children, and they have to go shopping, and they have to... It's a lot. Life is a lot. But if a person has a munam bitachan in this shmuz, in what we're saying today, if you can be Mesha Balibai by making this Cheshman Shalom, you will be the happiest person in the world because everything is a win win. The happiest people in, in Shas, Nachamish Gamzu, Gamzu Lotaiva, everything Gamzu Lotaiva, Rebekiva, called Al Rahman it. everything is for the good. Imagine if we didn't just say that, we actually felt it and we actually believed it. We would walk around whistling day and night. There's nothing bad. If I if I uh, if I go out with a girl and it works out, you know, well, and she likes me and I like her, it's a shidduch. Beautiful. Let's say I go out with a girl and I think this is for me, and and then she dumps me unceremoniously, and I'm like, I can't believe this is my bashar. This is who I was supposed to marry. And now, what am I going to do? I'm, you know, terrible. Whenever guys come over to me to sulk like that, I'd say, listen, buddy, I promise you, I'll give you a haftacha right now that, I don't know when, but whatever day it will happen, you will find a girl and you will tell me, thank God that I did not marry that first girl because I see today that would, it would have been the worst thing in the world for me. It happens, it's a maisa b'chol yaim. What you think in the current is true turns out to be not true. I could tell you this in business. I could tell you this in, 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 in Shidduchim. I could tell you it in marriage. A lot of times people have marriages and they're, you know, and it's not so easy. It's very rocky. And sometimes people right away throw in the towel, they get divorced. And sometimes that's a necessary thing to do because, you know, in, in extraordinary circumstances. But a lot of times, if you just give it time and let it, and work on it and let it grow, in, in, in the future you'll see that it, it, it was good. It was good. HaKadosh Baruch Hu found this for me exactly for a certain reason. I needed this. I needed this type of wife. I needed to have children that were this way or that way. Everything is with a cheshman. There's a cheshpane shalaylam that we have to believe. And if we believe this, then we'll be happy. If we don't believe it, then we'll be like everybody else. And we'll have good days, we'll have bad days. When things go nicely for us, we'll be sort of happy. We'll be worried about other things happening, but we'll be sort of happy. 
But the people that are really happy people, when you walk into a shul and you see a guy with a, a smile on his face, I promise you that guy is a Balbidachan. That's the only thing. You talk to him for a minute, he says, God is in control, I have nothing to worry about. When you allow Hashem to, to be in the driver's seat and to be comfortable with somebody else in the driver's seat and not you, because we can't control anything. When you're comfortable with HaKadosh Baruch in the driver's seat and you have a Munah Bitachon that he knows where to take us and he knows why he's going through this, this part of town and this seems to be a really bad neighborhood we're going through, but I trust that he knows where he's taking us. And I trust that he knows, you know, why this happened along the way of my journey and why I had to go through this experience when I was a child and that experience when I was a teenager and this experience when I'm an adult and why I had to go through so much trouble and pain. It's all for the good. It's either a kapara, which is amazing because after we die, we're going to be really happy to have had those yisurim to wipe away a lot of the, the einshim of, of, of Elam Haba. But most of the time, you even see in this world how it was really for the good. And that's the message from, from this week's parsha. That globally, HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a cheshven. And to the Kutze Shal Yud, personally, HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a cheshven a nefesh. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason for the cheshven of the Rabbi Hashem for everything. And if we believe that, we will be calm. We'll be happy. Whether or not, you know, we got the internship that we wanted or we were denied it. Whether or not, you know, we're engaged and we wanted a big fancy chasna now because of COVID, we're going to have to have a backyard wedding. Or I couldn't, I have to do Zoom dating instead of this dating. I can't, uh, and I, I can't make, uh, make money because I'm not able to go. It's hard. It's impossibly hard. There are people really suffering out there from the situation that we're in today. People are losing their homes, they're losing their cars, they're losing their, their, their livelihoods, their, their stores, their restaurants, their businesses. It's, a, it's, a, it's an esara for the world. And I'm not here to, you know, to, to, to try to say that everything is amazing. It's not my place to tell people that are having hardships, you know, just take it with a big grain of salt and, and chill. It's not my place. That's not what I'm trying to do here. For us personally, when we have tsaras of any sort and we're able to look at it, not from our puny little perspective here on planet Earth, but from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's vantage point, perched on the Kisya Covenant, playing, seeing all the pieces of the puzzle and being able to know exactly how everything interlocks so perfectly, that's the way that we will have serenity, yeshiva das, peace of mind, Enjoy Shabbos, enjoy Yantiv, enjoy a day off, enjoy our learning, have, have, have the Yeshiva Das to be able to learn without worrying about what's going to be. Because I know I could trust God. I could trust Hashem to do the right thing because He's the Kol Yachol. He never steered me wrong in the past. Everything that had seemed bad in my life really, I see now, has, there was a reason for When we are able to talk about this, it does so much. I think the Gareb used to say on the Pasuk in Halal, He'emanti ki adaber. And the way he understood it homiletically was, He'emanti, Mayamuna gets stronger and stronger, you know when? Ki adaber. When I speak about it. When you speak about these types of things, your Amuna gets so strong. A lot of times I had in my life tremendous stories of Ashkacha Pratis, and I've given many shmuzan about them. The problem is that I, I didn't write all of them down. And the things that you don't write down, you forget. But how many times in our daily life do we see the Yad Hashem? And we see it, we say, wow, God is great. Did that ever happen to anybody? It's like, wow, I... You know, thank God that I didn't get this. You know, had I had that summer job, I would never have been able to, you know, have the freedom to start my own business and do this and do that. I'd be, I'd be a slave to somebody. It happens all the time. Of course, the famous stories about, you know, missing the plane and then the plane crashes or the plane doesn't, whatever it is. But those are, that's, but it happens all the time. Whether we realize the Nisim that are taking place around us or we don't realize the Nisim, there are miracles that are happening as we speak right now. Maybe because... 
all of us are here on Zoom right now, if we had not come to the Shmuz, maybe we would have been walking in the street and Chas Vashalom, something bad would have happened to us. I don't know. It's, we will never know this. But if you believe that there's a reason for everything, then you'll know that it was good that I was here. And this is the way of the Chesh Ben Ha'ilam. This is how Kedush Baruch runs the world. Let's talk about this. Let's write these things down. I have a yeshiva. Unfortunately, I don't have access to it because it's in yeshiva. But I have in yeshiva a book, like one of these Chidush Torah books. You know, these like nice notebooks just with blank pages. And I made it a Ashkacha Pratis Kuntris for myself. And every single time when I have access to it that I that I see a, a Yad Hashem, I go to my book in Beis Medrash, and I just scribble down like a few lines of what happened. And then I'm able to look back and chop that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was so good. And then when, when bad times hit, really bad times, I'm able to open up the book and say, listen, the same God that got me through those things with Ashkach HaPratis, he's still around. He's still very much in control, and he knows why he's doing this to me. The stronger our Muna, the stronger our Bitachin in these types of things, the happier lives we'll live, the happier our, our, our families will be as a result of our happiness. We'll give this over to our parents, we'll give it over to our siblings, we'll give it over to our wives, we'll give it over to our children, to our grandchildren someday. That Akrish is in control of the world. And never be afraid because he's in control. Even when I'm walking into the valley of death itself, I'm not afraid of evil befalling me, because you are with me. You're with me. There's a God in the world that's with all of us right now. He's protecting us. He's watching over us. And even when things that are, are not so great, that were not in the plans happen, Gamzul Taiva. You want to get rain in your heart, your heart and our heart that's so nervous always and so inundated by fear and by anxieties of what will be and who am I going to marry, what kind of job am I going to get, am I going to be able to be back in Yeshiva and El, all, all these, these, these anxieties and these fears, these worries that we have, and we're all worried about it. It's hard to daven, it's hard to learn because we're always busy and as you get older, it gets, there's more things on your plate that you have to worry about. But if we're able to really train ourselves as best as humanly possible to believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the world, get control of your heart, of your fears, of your anxieties by Bayu Cheshman. Enter the city of Cheshman. And when you enter the city of Cheshman and understand that just like the city of Cheshman, there was a Cheshman Elam in that city, that's the Cheshman Elam that's in our personal cities as well. It's Hashem. We should all take these lessons to heart. And I want to wish all of you a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos.